1: The U.S. attributes two more strains of malware to North Korea, and whether you call them Hidden Cobra or the Lazarus Group, it's the same reliable crew of Pyongyang hoods. More trouble for the ICO world as unknown but probably bad actors scan for misconfigurations in EOS blockchain nodes. Canadian banks decline to pay extortion. Joker's stash counterfeits show there's even less honor among thieves than you may have thought. Baratov gets five years for the Yahoo hack, and Cavassier gets a solid 10-year sentence for multiple crimes. From the Cyberwire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your Cyberwire summary for Wednesday, May 30th, 2018. The on-again-off-again US North Korean summit is back on, but relations between the countries in cyberspace remain frosty. There's a good bit of speculation that DPRK hacking will figure among the agenda. In the meantime, the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security yesterday, through the U.S. CERT, attributed two more families of malware to the DPRK's Hidden Cobra threat group. The Bramble Worm and the Jonap Trojan are both said to be the work of Pyongyang. Jonap is a two-stage backdoor remote-access Trojan that allows both data exfiltration and installation of other threats onto the victim system. Bramble, worm that it is, abuses the SMB protocol to spread via dictionary attacks on other systems. Once it's in, as Security Week summarizes, Bramble also harvests system information, accepts command-line arguments, and executes a suicide script. You may know Hidden Cobra by its other name, the Lazarus Group. The Lazarus Group has got a pretty long rap sheet, albeit with no convictions, since nobody in the world has any kind of extradition agreement with Pyongyang. The Threat Group has been credibly blamed for the Bangladesh Bank Swift caper, the Sony Pictures hack, which appears to have been part of a larger campaign outlined in the Operation Blockbuster investigations, Operation Dark Soul, a 2013 campaign that affected two South Korean television stations and at least one bank, and Operation Troy, a cyber-espionage campaign unmasked in 2013 that was directed against South Korea, and in particular against South Korean military cooperation with the United States. The Five Eyes have also said the Lazarus Group was responsible for WannaCry, last year's misfiring but still very damaging ransomware campaign. That's one attribution we think you can take to the bank. Bleeping Computer reports that threat intelligence shop Grey Noise has observed someone, presumably a threat actor, scanning for EOS blockchain nodes that have accidentally exposed private keys through inadvertent misconfiguration. The scans began yesterday, shortly after Kihu 360 reported a remote execution flaw in the EOS blockchain platform. EOS is currently the subject of an initial coin offering. The Canadian banks, hit with a hacker-induced data breach over the weekend, are indeed the targets of extortionists. The attackers are demanding a million-dollar ransom. If they're not paid, they threaten to release the information online. The Bank of Montreal and the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce have both said they won't pay the ransom. Bravo, banks. There's some speculation as to why the hackers tried extortion as opposed to simply selling the stolen data on some of the usual dark web markets they may have come to believe that stolen data simply wouldn't fetch as much as they could make through extortion, or they were hoping that embarrassment would induce the banks to pay up, even if the data wasn't that valuable. Or, of course, they may have been interested in getting whatever they could from the banks and then going on and selling the data anyway, since honor among thieves is much frayed nowadays. Speaking of black markets and the general absence of honor among thieves, It's worth noting that Krebs on Security has a piece up about Joker's Stash and its various imitators and counterfeits. Joker's Stash is an illicit carters forum where hoods buy and sell stolen pay card credentials, mostly for what amounts, relatively speaking, to chicken feed. Joker's Stash has been tied to a number of retail breaches, including those at Saks Fifth Avenue, Hilton, Whole Foods, Chipotle, and Sonic. The counterfeit Joker's stash sites are out there to con the conmen. If you, Mr. and Ms. Criminal, think you're going to get some cards from Joker's stash, look carefully, because you may find the bitcoins you virtually plunked down are gone baby gone without so much as a login credential left behind. We won't offer any more specific advice, since at some level criminals who let themselves be defrauded by other criminals deserve what they get, but do stay away from Joker's stash. When word comes down from the bosses upstairs that it's time to improve productivity and security or to do less with more, many organizations turn to automation to make it happen, but that can be easier said than done. Ruvi Kitof is CEO and co-founder of security firm Tufin, and he's got some words of wisdom for companies looking to automate.
0: I mean, you know, there's a good crawl, walk, run model. A lot of times when we speak with customers or, you know, organizations who have nothing of the sort, no automation, usually it also means that, you know, very often they won't know what their security posture even is. Right? So when we ask organizations, what's what's your security policy, let's look at zone-to-zone segmentation. So which networks can talk to other networks and which networks should not be allowed to talk to other networks? Right? Just connectivity. Let's like basic layer three connectivity. A lot of times people scratch their heads and there might be a document written in the CISO office. You know, some security architect wrote it. You know, there's a big gap between that concept of the security policy and the actual implementation on the ground. And then after assessing, usually there's a cleanup phase where people, for two to three months, they go and they start cleaning up all of the vulnerabilities they discovered. And there's a lot. You want to reach steady state. You know, pretty healthy and clean you know state of network security right and at that point the question is okay i've i've done some work i've cleaned up and i think i'm in pretty good shape but if i don't maintain that hygiene i'm going to you know be vulnerable again i'm going to have all sorts of problems very soon because dozens of changes occur on my network on a weekly basis so how do i maintain that continuous compliance right so then the next phase would be taking that policy element and actually analyzing every single change that is about to be implemented um, to see whether it adheres to the policy. So then, you know, once you're kind of in in a pretty healthy place, um, you would probably want to have zero mistakes done on the production network because you want to move from being reactive, like, okay, let's look at my network and figure out what's wrong with it, to I've cleaned it up, and now I don't want any mistakes even reaching the production network. I want to avoid those things to begin with during the change process. There's additional challenges as people are adopting the cloud and they're migrating more and more applications to the cloud. There's a whole other set of challenges that have to do with policy. Uh, what we're seeing is a lot of organizations have DevOps or a cloud team that are responsible not just for the application, but also for the infrastructure on the cloud side. And they're managing, for example, maybe the AWS configuration. We're seeing a lot of friction between the DevOps team and the firewall team where, you know, DevOps teams want to build kind of their own security controls and they don't want a very heavy and manual process of requesting changes from the network security team to allow them connectivity. So we're seeing a lot of issues between DevOps teams and network security teams. And we think that a key thing is how to bake security into the DevOps cycle so that essentially the network security team will have much deeper visibility into the security posture of the cloud. And a lot of organizations are actually flying blind today. So you have DevOps teams making changes in the cloud with very little security oversight, which we believe is a huge mistake. So one of the things that we would recommend is to get tools that allow, first of all, security practitioners to see the security posture in the cloud. And the second phase would be to actually bake security into the DevOps CICD tool chain so that you every time you want to make a change that actually affects security and the DevOps tool chain, it'll be vetted against some kind of a security policy. And we think that's critical as organizations are moving to the cloud.
1: That's Kitov from Tufin. A U.S. government look at the cybersecurity of federal agencies offers a depressing vista. Three out of four agencies are said to be at significant risk of cyber attack and poorly prepared to manage that risk. Whether or not it's reprieved from U.S. Commerce Department sanctions, analysts think ZTE will find recovery difficult. ZTE and Huawei remain under widespread suspicion of posing security risks. Canadian Premier Justin Trudeau is being asked by many to take a close look at what Huawei's up to in its penetration of the Canadian market. Karim Baratov, convicted of hitting Yahoo! on behalf of Russia's FSB, has been sentenced to five years. The U.S. Justice Department points out that the verdict should indicate to people that hacking for hire is a serious crime. You remember the fellow who went by the name Cavassier? He isn't French but English. He's the heavy-handed gent who ran virtually amuck in Kent. Anywho, Cavassier, whose given name is Grant West, had his day in court and was convicted of charges related to fishing, drug sales, and other illicit online activity. He will be Her Majesty's guest for ten years, which is, by British standards, a pretty stiff sentence. Mr. West is twenty-six. He'll be in his mid-thirties by the time he gets out, assuming he serves his full time. He was caught when authorities tracked the IP address of his girlfriend's computer and picked Mr. West up on a train bound for London. The relationship is doubtless strained at this point, or as Facebook might put it, complicated, because the co-conspirator girlfriend got community service. And joining me once again is Justin Harvey. He's the Global Incident Response Leader at Accenture. Uh, Justin, welcome back. You know, I feel like we have been running towards this finish line, which, of course, was the implementation of GDPR. Uh, We have crossed that line and now here it is. It's active. It's a real thing. Do you think that companies are ready? Do you think all these months of preparation are going to pay off for them?
2: Well, Dave, the glib answer is, I believe my clients are. (laughs) Uh, I don't think that the majority of companies are truly ready for the GDPR. Based upon what I've been seeing in the market, uh, many organizations are scrambling. They're getting their incident response plans going. They are, given the ambiguous nature and the wording of the regulation, I think that it's it's almost like I should say it's anyone's ball game because mm-hmm. um, with regulations, and, uh, particularly of this nature, there's you can't read a document that says this is an incident and and when when this types of incident hits this threshold, then you need to report it to regulators. It's almost like regulators want to keep it loosey goosey and they want to see companies demonstrate that they are trying. I don't believe any organization is truly 100% compliant with any regulation. Hmm. But what matters is, are they demonstrating the right steps? Do they have the right intent? And if and when something does happen, are they being forthcoming with regulators?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because it strikes me that there's been kind of wait and see on both sides. As you describe, the regulators waiting to see are people making a good faith effort. But I think there's been a lot of wait and see on the other side to see are these potential fines actually going to come down?
2: That's right. I was speaking with a colleague the other day and he made an observation that he doesn't think GDPR is here here to last. And the reason is it'll be one large organization, one large company uh, that will unfortunately have a breach and maybe they lose a lot of personal data. And then they, then they're looking at, um, quite a lot of fines and perhaps it even drives that company out of business. And then where does that leave regulators at that point? Who wants to participate in a regulation where the downside is you can lose up to four or however many percent of your global annual revenue. So time will tell. I think that, uh, this is an interesting experiment. Uh, it, it's funny that I call it a, a regulation an experiment, but I think this is a, a new kind of regulation applied to a large region. And I think if it, if it works, if they are able to pull it off and if it does enforce change and allow society to operate where people can be forgotten on the internet if they can really truly have better controls around people's privacy i think it'll be positive and and even then the united states should should definitely pay attention keep notice of what's happening uh with the eu and and uh the gdpr considering all of the privacy concerns we've been having on this side of the
1: pond all right well as you say time will tell Uh, It's going to be interesting to watch. Justin Harvey, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Vaughn, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Filecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Ivan, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their dark net exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net— so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.